In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts and a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I'm asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 24 An Urban Encounter I didn't stay in college for long. After I dropped out, I got a job at a record store. It was pretty chill, but I had trouble making friends, so I quickly felt lonely every time I got off from work. So, I started going for walks around the city at night. Doing that can be a bit dangerous, to be honest. I was pretty lucky. I've lived here for most of my life, so I know which places to stay away from after it gets dark. I didn't see much that I found interesting on those walks. On the weekends, there were always a lot of people of all ages, dressed up, with slurred voices and shiny faces, who came and asked me for a light or a cigarette. Those people didn't bother me much. Sometimes I'd come across someone who would glimpse my face and follow me. It's not really an unusual thing to happen in the city, unfortunately. I try to keep myself as safe as possible by dressing in baggy boys' clothes and keep my hood up if someone got too close to me or saw me from the front they'd know I was a woman I dealt with that the way I've always done just zigzag my way down busy streets until I either lose the person or they just get tired of following me works every time at least for me over the summer it was less busy at the record store strange really You'd think the tourists would want to come buy some music, but our customers were mainly locals who, for some reason, preferred to do most of their record shopping in the colder months. Being less busy meant that I was less tired in the evenings. I got restless and felt lonelier than ever. A few times I tried to stay at home instead of going for my nightly walks but I always just ended up watching some trash on my computer or just staring at the framed butterflies on my walls. Then there was this one night where something happened. I met someone. I had to walk through this tunnel and I was a bit nervous even though there was usually no one around. However, this time there was. Someone was spray-painting graffiti on the walls. I stopped to look. It said, Why am I here? I don't really know what prompted me to speak to them. Maybe it was because the graffiti was so very teenage philosophical and there was something both ridiculous and endearing about that. 
Maybe it was just because I was terribly lonely. It was probably a combination of both. Nice work, I said loudly. The person turned around. He was wearing a bright orange hoodie. He had one of those perpetually tired faces. A type that looks like he could be 15 or 35. I couldn't really see his eyes very well from the shadow of the hoodie. Hello? He said it in a strange way, like he was someone who wasn't used to talking to people. But then again, neither was I. Hey, I'm Amber. He didn't smile or nod or acknowledge what I'd said in any way. He just stood there, spray can in hand, frozen in what he'd been doing. Well, um, I said, feeling awkward. I don't want to intrude on your work or anything. I guess I'd better be off. No, wait. Please wait. I could either leave this strange guy to go back to another lonely night at my house, or I could stay and see what happened. Okay, but then you have to teach me how to do graffiti. So, that's what we did. The next morning, I woke up to the sound of my annoyingly persistent alarm clock. I felt something running from my nostrils and figured my allergies might be acting up. However, when I wiped it away with my hand, I saw that it was blood. I got in a nosebleed. Great. Immediately afterwards, I went downstairs and poured some milk and cereal into a bowl. I didn't want to look at the news, so I just sat there, staring at the wall, chewing on my cereal. Then I heard another sound. A sort of crackling sound. I tried to brush it off, but then it was there again. Suddenly, it was all I could hear. Then there was a crash. The glass frames for my butterflies broke every single one of them. And then, as if it was the most normal thing in the world, they all flew out of their frames. It was honestly quite a pretty picture, all the butterflies flying around in the kitchen. But God, it was eerie. I didn't know what to make of it. I tried pinching myself, thinking that maybe I was still dreaming, but it didn't work. It was really happening. I decided not to tell anyone at work. I was sure no one would believe me anyway. It was strangely cold in the record store that day. I kept asking my manager to turn up the heating, but he stopped listening to me after a while, saying that everyone else thought it was almost unbearably hot. I couldn't understand that. I was freezing cold and my limbs felt so stiff. I struggled to even open the bags to put the records into, let alone use the keys for my door when I got home. The first thing I did was to go into the kitchen to look for the butterflies. But they were all dead now. Their fragile little bodies, lying on the floor, scattered around my chairs. Most of them were halfway pulverized. 
there was no way of putting them back together. So I cleaned up as best as I could and tried to forget about the whole thing. That night I walked in the direction of the tunnel and I found the boy there again, orange hoodie still on, doing what he always did. I looked at the day's choice of words. Why am I back? Back from where? I asked him. I, I don't think you would understand. Try me. From the... Shadows? Um, okay. The shadows. Right. That doesn't sound like a nice place to be. It wasn't. Either this kid had some serious mental issues, or he was just messing with me. But as long as he only said weird stuff, I could handle it just fine. We continued where we left off the day before, with him teaching me how to do graffiti. We barely talked, but it was nice to spend time with another human being. The next morning, I had a nosebleed again. It was worse this time. I went out to brush my teeth before breakfast, but my gums started bleeding and my teeth felt loose. And when I looked in the mirror, my skin seemed to have a strangely marble-like appearance. I considered calling in sick but decided against it. However, I barely got in through the door before my manager came over in a hurry. What's happened to you, Amber? What do you mean? I knew what he meant. But I wanted someone else to say it. I wanted someone else to admit that there was something wrong with me. You... You honestly look very sick. How so? Say it. Just say it. Say there is something wrong with me. Wrong with my body. Your skin is... Um... Oh my god. He was staring at a spot on my arm. At first, I thought he was just shocked at the strange marble-like appearance of my skin. But then I looked and... There was something crawling out of my arm. Through my skin. This white, slimy thing was... Was crawling out of me. That's... a maggot. My manager was in complete shock. I didn't say anything more to him. The customers had turned around and stared at me in horror. I just ran out of the store. Back home, I ripped my bathroom mirror off the wall and sat down with it in the living room and just stared at myself. I kept waiting for something to happen, for more maggots to crawl out of my skin, but nothing did. I called my doctor, but I didn't know how to explain what was happening to me, so I just hung up again. The wound left by the maggot was wide open. I searched through the house for the biggest band-aid I could find and put it over the hole in my skin. 
Sitting there all alone made me feel way worse about the whole thing. I had to see someone, talk to someone, and there was only one person I could think of. I went down to the tunnel again and found my friend there at his usual task. The new addition said, I have to go back. I just stood there, staring at it, waiting for him to turn around and look at me, to see what I had become, to ask me what was happening, to care. God, I just wanted someone to care enough to ask. But he didn't. So I asked him, are you going back to the shadows? Finally, he turned around and he did look at me very thoroughly, but he didn't react like I thought he would. Instead of looking shocked, he looked happy. Yes, I am. He put the spray can down. I realized that it was the first time I'd seen him do that. The other times I'd met him, it had almost been as if the spray can was glued to his hand. I nodded towards it. Are you not going to do any more graffiti tonight? No, he said with a smile. I won't need that anymore. I felt a burning sensation spread over my otherwise freezing cold body. I looked down to see pinprick-sized holes get bigger and bigger until large fat maggots crawled out, breaking through the skin on my arms, my legs and my stomach. I started crying desperately and my friend came and put a hand on my back, supporting me. You're starting to rot. It's okay. It happens. What? I stared at him in shock. He didn't elaborate, just smiled. I couldn't stop crying. What do you mean by that? He picked up a maggot, looked at it with curiosity, then threw it on the ground. I mean what I said. You're starting to rot. It won't hurt. Well, it, it might. But after a while, it will stop. Don't worry. I will be here for you. I tried to break free of his grip, but my body was even stiffer than before and I couldn't move any of my limbs. I was afraid that I was going to fall, but the boy grabbed me and laid me down on the asphalt gently. Please, help me. He took off the hoodie and I saw then that there was nothing to see that I hadn't been able to see before. He had no eyes, just two empty sockets, and yet, somehow, he was looking at me. Don't be afraid. I'll be here for you. I'll always be here for you. But I don't want that. I don't want to die. I could hardly speak clearly anymore. I was crying so hard. Oh. You uh, still don't understand. You're already dead. That's why this is happening. But I'm not dead. I, 
I can't be. I've I've been to work. I've talked to people. Death is a, a strange, strange thing. I was dead for a long time, just living in the shadows. And then suddenly I was here. And you came along. And I think it was a sign. I didn't try to speak anymore. I couldn't have even if I wanted to. My tongue was so swollen I thought it was going to burst. Every inch of my body was bloated. The marble skin stretched to the limit. You will become a shadow. No one will know you. No one will remember you. You will see and hear everything. But you will not be able to make yourself heard. I wept. I hadn't done anything to deserve this. I knew I hadn't. And yet, it was happening. And there was nothing I could do about it. I have been so lonely in the darkness. But when you're here, it will be different. We will be separated from the world together. The bloating stopped. My skin loosened, then tightened. I couldn't see much of my body, but what I could see of it now seemed devoid of any muscles or any fat. I was like a skeleton in a skin suit. It's almost complete now, he whispered to me soothingly. In a matter of minutes, we'll leave together and it will be beautiful. We will never be lonely again. And when all the muscle and fat had disappeared completely from my body, I felt myself breathe out for the last time. I looked up at the boy, holding me gently and looking at me with anticipation, and I felt myself disappear slowly as his eyeless face grew more and more transparent. Before long, it would be as he had predicted. We would retreat to the shadows, permanently. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and narrated by Lizzie Van Tambe. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening.